0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. And this morning, pastors are going to bring a message entitled Remembering the Vision. And we're going to take some time to look at what God has done and look ahead and continue to see what God wants to do. Stand with me, if you would, as we read Psalm 77. The Bible says in Psalm 77, verse number 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely, I will remember thy wonders of old. Thank you once again for joining us here at Ambassador Baptist Church. It's always a privilege just to have uh, you come and be a part of what God's doing in this place. This morning we're going to have a little bit of fun as we embark on our Vision Day. It all culminates tonight at 6 p.m. with our Vision Night Service. And uh, you won't want to miss being a part of just this epic gathering together ...as we really look ahead as in regards to what we believe God has for us in the coming months and in the coming years. Uh, but this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take some time uh, to look back... ...in a way that I hope will encourage us uh, to look forward afresh with faith and trust in a big and great God. Over the last few years, we've grown, and many of you, uh, this is all you know of Ambassador... ...is this location, uh, this facility... And so we thought it would be appropriate with so many new folks uh, joining the church over the last several months, many people getting involved, uh, to take some time and really just talk a little bit about our Genesis, uh, to talk a little bit about the journey that God has brought us on, and catch some of us up to speed as to what God has done throughout the years to bring us to where we are today. And my hope is that it will stir a spirit of faith in us uh, to be willing to step out by faith again, in what God has for us in the year ahead. As we read a moment ago in the book of Psalms, it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I think it's an important thing uh, to gather together every once in a while and just remember, to simply celebrate all that God has done and all that we believe God is going to do in the years ahead. Somebody might ask the question, why do we take time to remember? Why take time to reminisce? Why take time to celebrate what the Lord's done? Because I believe that the stories of the past give us small clues about our really big future. And that's why we want to take some time to do that today. I want to start at the very beginning. Many of you may or may not know. Uh, some of you in this room I know are friends with my father. My father. Uh, My dad is actually a church planter. Uh, God called him to plant churches across the West Coast many, many years ago. And literally for decades, God's used him to start churches uh, all over the place in many different cities across California. And uh, be intimately involved in planting churches literally across the country. Ambassador is one of the churches uh, that God used my dad to plant. And so he's kind of the planter, the launcher of this church. And uh, several years ago, our family moved to Fresno, and uh, God used him to plant this church, Ambassador Baptist. And so, uh, I remember how the name came to be. You know, it's kind of a little different name, you know, like Ambassador, where does that kind of come from? And uh, as a church planter, uh, you were always trying to think a little savvy about how you could get attention and promote your church. And I remember I was in the living room when we were living uh, in uh, the Bay Area at the time, And my dad had really felt the leading to start a church here in Fresno. And uh, we were talking about names. And he said it would be really neat, uh, in those days, uh, the way you found out about a church was through something called the Yellow Pages. How many of you are familiar with those? We don't use much of that anymore. We use Google and things like that. And uh, oftentimes, the way you would get known is your Yellow Page ad. And Dad wanted to be the first church name to pop up in the yellow page ads, and so he said, "We got to find a name that starts with a A." All right, and so we started looking through it, and lo and behold, that is how Ambassador got its name. Uh, since then, we've used that same mindset, and now we've used the URL FresnoChurch.com. Why do we use that? Because when people jump online and Google. Uh, We're now the first church that pops up in many searches on Google when they're searching for churches in Fresno. It was that same mindset. It was just several years ago before Google and things like that came out, and that's how the church kind of came to be. We started in the Ramada Inn on Shaw and 41. Some of you know where this uh, hotel is, Shaw and 41, right off the freeway there, in a little banquet room back there. And I remember that first service. I was really excited. The church started the same week as my birthday And as you can imagine, my birthday wasn't so great that year, all right? My dad was kind of focused on other things, and it was a good time. But we started the church that year in the Ramada Inn, a small banquet hall. And that very first service, we got there, and uh, my dad wanted to have a little Bible study before the main service at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I remember one person showed up to that Bible study. Our family and one individual. And man, it was so funny. I don't remember. It was a guy, uh, kind of middle-aged man. He was sitting there, and my brothers and my sisters on one side. I'm, I'm the oldest of seven kids, for those of you who don't know that. And we were just sitting there, listening to my dad give a Bible lesson. And I'm sure what was going through this guy's mind is like, this place is crazy. What in the world is going on? There's kids, and we're like, what? This is, this is great. Thankfully, for the main service, uh, during the break... Uh, We had another family join us, but in the meantime that one guy quickly slipped out He didn't even stay for the main service, all right, and we had one family uh, join us for that very first service I remember services on several occasions where nobody came and it would be just our family And uh, I remember those and dad would say hey, what do you want to hear a story about today? And we'd give a Bible story and uh, Sunday, you know, and just not not a person there And uh, I remember those services and sitting there and so we met in Ramada. Uh, we'd have Bible studies in our garage for several months. We had Bible studies in our garage uh, that we lived, kind of where the new 168 and McKinley hit. I think they wiped out our neighborhood there when they put in the 168, but there was a little garage there. And that's, that's where we would meet for Bible studies during the week. And uh, God just began to move. It wasn't long before we were no longer able to meet. We, were, we had a situation come up where our neighbors started to complain ...about the cars that were meeting in our driveway. I remember it was at that house where we first met Red and Debbie... ...and uh, just years and years ago. And uh, we had the neighbors start signing a petition. They didn't want all the cars in the neighborhood meeting in the garage. And so they were kicking us out. And we were going to have to find a place to start meeting as a church. And so just a handful of folks began to kind of gather around. At that time, uh, the church couldn't get a loan uh, from a bank. There wasn't enough, you know, history and uh, they were just struggling to find a place to meet when God led them to a property on the far west side of town where Brian is. Um, There's a school out there. It's where Central High built its new stadium. It was in that area. There was a little ranch house, and uh, by faith the church believed that that was the place that God was going to have the church continue to grow and expand to. Uh, if one of you have a picture of that ranch house, let me know We've been looking all over the place for one and we're struggling to find one So Debbie said one of these days, I knew I should have called you about that I wanted to show a picture of that uh, But uh, of that house there and, and uh, just kind of came together I, I remember some of the stories during that time, that handful of folks And uh, basically they found somebody who would give them a loan But they wanted 20% interest in order to purchase it And the church did it <laughs> And they stepped out and at 20% interest Uh, They took the loan to buy that property. Uh, The the problem was they were going to have to come up with $20,000 really, really quick. And so the church met together, a handful of folks met together. And I remember uh, Pastor Chappell actually came out and he spoke. And that handful of folks were able to raise $20,000 in one evening as a down payment for that property, a little ranch house on the far west side of town. And I remember those next few months were really crazy because the city started getting involved. Red, you'll remember this. The day we found out that in order to meet, literally, in a living room, smaller than many of your living rooms, we were going to have an auditorium, in order to meet there, the city was telling us that we would have to put in a massive retention pond next to our house. I mean, huge. I mean thousands of gallons that in case there was a flood on the property all the water could run out somebody was gonna have to pay for this it was just it was just crazy then we found out that in case we had a fire uh, we would need a huge two thousand gallon holding pin for water in case the house ever got on fire we'd have water to be able to put the fire out i I wanted to be a little bit sarcastic and say, couldn't we use the water from the ponding basin, <laughs> you know? And of course, they knew there would be no water in the ponding basin. That didn't go over. But the challenges, and yet that small group of folks uh, were willing, just by faith, to go through all the bureaucracy, all the minutiae, realizing we never once used that ponding basin. Yet they were willing to pay for it. Never once did that 2,000 gallon water tank in years and years and years and years that it would ever get used and yet they were able to go through loophole after loophole after loophole just for the potential to see something up and launch the church met in that living room and man the living room was a third the size of our current lobby I mean it just it, hardly anything Mrs. Church you remember those days I think we were able to fit four uh, pews in that living room and I think that's what it was and it was just, I mean, it was just the living room like your living room. I mean, it just wasn't large at all for about five or six years or so. Uh, they met in that little ranch house. And then the Lord opened up an opportunity uh, on Clinton Boulevard. There was a small church of elderly folks. There was a handful of them. And uh, the church was about to kind of have to fold just because of the situation. And so we were able to kind of join forces a little bit during that time, and that is how we got the property, uh, little chapel at 3354. Some of you remember uh, this particular property, and that happened, you know, kind of in the mid-90s or so, and some of you would be familiar with that. And for several, several years, that's where we met, and that's where we had gatherings, and, and that's where we kind of begin to c- collectively see a, a group of people begin to join together. Um... It was several years ago um, that I was voted in as the pastor of the uh, Ambassador Church here at 3354. And I remember 41 folks uh, voted me in to be the pastor at that time, and we were excited. Uh, After about six months of meeting in that little chapel, uh, I remember it was about, I had been there about six months, and we were going to step out by faith. And the first thing I remember doing when I was there, kind of that first step of faith, is we went out and got some more chairs and we filled the entire room up with chairs. Uh, When I got there, about two-thirds of the room had chairs in it. And so we we literally packed the whole room full of chairs, all the way to the back wall. And I remember that first week we put those in. It was kind of like, all right, why do we have chairs going all the way to the back wall right now? And I remember saying, because I believe by God's grace we're going to fill these chairs. And sure enough, it wasn't long before those chairs got filled and we had to pull out the tables in the back and we did that. And that was kind of that first thing. Uh, a few months after that, we started just kind of, you know, working on the property a little bit and kind of moving forward, and, and about a year later, we started expanding the auditorium. We thought, you know what, we can, we can get more than 80 chairs in this building if we knock out the back wall, and, and so sure enough, uh, some of the guys got together, and one evening after a Sunday night service, uh, we just started knocking down the back wall of that little chapel, and uh, with, the, with the thought that maybe we could double of the amount of seats, you know, and we didn't quite double it at the time. I think we went from 85 to about 135 or 140 chairs that were able to meet there in that little chapel. Uh, but I will say this during that time, there were folks that were willing to give to make this a reality. This entire project cost just under a hundred thousand dollars, uh, for us to accomplish. And yet there were people who were willing by faith to sacrifice to give, uh, to do a lot of what was needed to be done on the property with the expansions and these things like that. There were folks who said, by God's grace, we believe that God can do bigger and greater things in the days ahead. And so we spruced up the front of the property. I don't know if we have pictures, but there we worked on the nurseries and we worked on a back property. And we just really uh, took some time to really expand the auditorium to do a lot of different things uh, there on that property. And over the years, God's shown some tremendous growth, uh, both numerically uh, and spiritually as well. And I want to say this, just just as God did some victories then... And uh, just as he did some miracles then, just as he grew his church then, literally from a handful of folks, and that thing began to grow uh, over the years, the reality is, I believe God can do all of those exact same things again. If you're taking notes, I want you to see this, it leads us to our first thought, and that's this this morning. What God did in the past, he can do again. Just like God did miracles in the past and provided financially... ...just as God did miracles in the past and allowed us to grow... ...just like He did miracles in the past and created more space for us to fit in... ...what God did in the past, I believe with every ounce of my being that God can do again. I believe that God can continue to work in the hearts and lives of people again. I believe that God wants to continue to see people saved again. I believe that God wants to continue to give space for us to move forward by faith... Again, I don't believe that God's done. I believe what God has done is something that God wants to continue to do in the years ahead. Here's what Mark chapter number 23, 923 says. Jesus says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible To him that believeth. John 14 verse 12 says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He that believeth on me the works that I do. Shall he do also. Notice this. And greater works than these shall he do. Do you notice that phrase? Greater works. God says, hey, you've seen me do some amazing things. I've done some amazing things, Jesus says. But you, as the church, you're going to do greater things in my name. There was one theologian who said it this way. God is the difference between what is today and what can be tomorrow. We have always been a church that believes God can do greater things that we are not at a plateau, that we are not at a place where we can just kind of sit, soak, and sour, where we can get comfortable with where we're at. We have always been a church that believes that the greater things, greater days, are always still in front of us. And we believe that with every ounce in our being. It's the reason that a handful of people were willing to sacrifice, they were willing to be generous, to move forward into a little ranch house, and then into a little chapel, and then again into a larger facility. Why? Because we believe this is a place that God can use to change lives. He has, He is, and He will continue to do. I believe that we serve a great God. As you read through the pages of Scripture, the same God that literally brought down the walls of Jericho, the same God that brought fire from heaven, the same God that split wide open the Red Sea, is the exact same God that you and I serve today. The Bible says, Jesus, God says, I am the Lord, I, I change not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that brought biblical revivals to our world. The same God that brought two great awakenings to our country. The same God that has allowed spiritual enlightenment to take place in the world in which we live is the same God that you and I serve today. And I want to say this, the same God that did bring revivals and brought enlightenments and allowed awakenings to take place, what God did in the past, God can do again. What God did in the past, He can do again. And I want to know, is this a church that still believes that? That what God has done in the past, he can do once again. It's sad to say in the day and age in which we live, there's a lot of Christians that are just trying to hold on. World's getting crazy, I'm looking at the politics, we just gotta hold on because the, the, the end's over. I want to say this, until Jesus comes back again, we can still press on. We can still believe that God can do greater things. And I want to say this, God can do greater things for your marriage. Wherever you find yourself right now in your relationship, God can do greater things. Depending on your relationship with a child or with a grandchild or within your family unit, I want to declare to you that by God's grace the greatest days can still be in front of you. And I don't care if you're 20 years old or 40 years old or 60 years old or 80 years old. The best doesn't have to be your past. The best doesn't have to be behind you. Your greatest days can still lie in front of you. Have you ever thought about this for a moment that your best days might not have happened yet. (laughs) Because what God has done in the past, what God has done in our history, He wants to do again. What God has done in spiritual history, God wants to revive again. And I believe with every ounce of my being, that's what's taking place. God wants to do a miracle. You say, why do you believe that? Because the Bible says, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it can I say this we are on the winning side we're winning and I know we can look at politics and I know we can look at the world around us and I know we can look at secularism and I know we can look at this group or that group and we can get discouraged and we can get despondent and we can get just totally you know inside ourselves and I want to say to you let's look unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith and once again be renewed with a spirit that says he can do greater things that the best is not behind, but the best still lies in front of us as a church for our community and for our world. What God did in the past, He can do again. But let's move forward. I remember that time where I started to sense that God wanted us to expand uh, that little auditorium there on 3354, Clinton. and I was a young pastor then. And I still am fairly young now. But it was challenging. I was, I was scared. There was a lot of fear. I hadn't done it before. I didn't know it was involved. I knew it would cost a lot of money. You think, man, something like that, how can that cost money? Everything costs money. <laughs> and I just was terrified by the thought that, you know, we'd get halfway done, tear the building apart, and then not have the funds to put it back together again. Scary. I remember being up at nights and just, man, God is, I, I believe this is what you want, but are you sure? Is this going to come together? How is, how is this all going to take place? I remember having some fundraisers and the church congregation got together and said, we still believe the best is yet ahead. And they didn't just say it with their words. They were willing to give up their lives, their time, their resources, their finances to make it a reality. And by faith, we were able to raise the funds to redo the property, to redo the expansion in that little chapel. And they knew that these were going to be seats that then people could come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and had their lives changed. And we really believed this was something that God was leading us to do. I was so naive at the time, I, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who was a contractor and we were about, literally at this point, we were just a couple of days away from tearing out the building. We were just going to do it after church and kind of tear it down and I was talking with a contractor friend of mine and he said, man, that's great. He says, he says How, how's that process been going with the city? You know, have they approved it and everything? This is horrible. But I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, you got to go to the city and get it approved. I mean, we're like three days, four days from then we were going to move forward on it. I remember that night, like I couldn't sleep. I was like, man, I've already told the whole church we're going to tear this thing down in four days and now I've (laughs) I should have probably gotten counsel on it earlier but, you know, I'm young. I'm still trying to figure it all out. And I was just, man, I was terrified. I remember that this was on a I think this was a Sun I forget, maybe a Sunday night. It was like Tuesday or Wednesday or something we were going to plan on moving forward on this I don't remember the exact timeline maybe it was a Wednesday I remember thinking okay tomorrow morning I'm going to go down to the city and I'm going to talk to them I'd never been to City Hall before next morning I go down to City Hall and I'm just sitting there just waiting for the doors to open up and I talk to the person at the clerk there they're sitting there and I I said, hey, I just want to let you know we're going to do an expansion on our little auditorium. And uh, we're really excited about it. You know, I'm trying to be enthusiastic. And, you know, of course, you know, they could just by looking at me, they could tell I had no clue what I was doing. And at one point they said, this is no joke, at one point they said, "Uh, where are your drawings? I said, oh, yeah, no problem. I, and I pulled out a little napkin out of my pocket. <laughs> this is no joke. I am not joking. I took out a pencil, and I started drawing. I said, see, right now there's this wall right here. And I said, what we're going to do, and I threw a little hammer. We're going to knock that wall down, and then, and then it's going to open it up. And I, I just, they're just looking at me like, this is not what we're talking about. They said, hey, we'll send somebody down to take a look at it. I knew that probably wasn't the best sign in the world. But I knew this was something we needed to do, and I remember that uh, the, uh, uh, what do they call them, the inspector came down, he looked at it, and I, I just knew at any moment he could like shut this whole thing down and make us go through all the rigmarole bureaucracy of everything that would have happened with the city. And I explained, I said, this is exactly what we're going to do. we got good, qualified people coming in. I said, we're not going to do this haphazard. Everything we do around here, we do with excellence, and we do it sharp, and we do it right, and we do it well. I said, you can promise, everything will be taken care of. And literally, for like 10 minutes, he didn't say a word. He just looked. Every once in a while, he'd say, hmm. Hmm. And he kind of push on the wall. I remember, he pulled something out of his pocket, a little card. He wrote his number. He said, you can do it. But when it is done, you call nobody but me. <laughs> Gave me the card <laughs> and left. Man, we got it. We got the permits for that thing. It was awesome. We started the, the two days later. We knocked down the walls. We had our permit. We were ready to go and things along those lines. And uh, sure enough, we were two days into it, and somebody from the city comes walking by. We had a huge dumpster in the front, and uh, I was up in the attic working. Somebody said, hey, pastor, Come. And uh, somebody from the city came down and said, Hey, where, where's your permit at? And I was like, "Whoo! <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> we are ready to go. And I just remember God, just miracle after miracle after miracle, just doing what only he can do. Because people were willing to sacrifice, people were willing to give. We tore out the auditorium. What's crazy is, I think about it now, we were only in there a couple years, that we were willing to invest so much just to take that next step. See, there's some people, they want to wait until they can take giant steps. They want to wait until everything comes together. And yet, I'm so thankful for folks like Jim and folks like Red and, and Felix. You know, people who, I remember Felix was there that night when we were tearing some of those stuff out. And people who just said, hey, we're not going to wait until necessarily we can get into a four or 500 seat. We're just going to do what we can do now. We're going to do the best that we can with what we have in this moment. And we just started ripping it out and God, God did an incredible work. Many of you, kind of knew the church maybe from this stage. We put in some uh, more seats and we were able to add things and we were excited to see what, what God did through that. It was amazing over the next year, year and a half, Uh, It wasn't long before we found that even with our expanded auditorium, there were people sitting in the lobby. This is no joke. Like, literally, they'd be sitting in the lobby trying to watch the church service because the auditorium was full. And this happened on several occasions. Literally, the way our lobby was shaped, there were oftentimes people would sit in the lobby. They couldn't even see what was going on. They just wanted to be a part of it. And so they would sit there and just listen from the lobby, you know, what see what the Lord was going to do. We'd put in chairs and just try to pack it in. It wasn't long before we went to multiple services, and we, we started doing two services. and and uh we'd have an early service and a later service just because we just didn't have the room and even that was a step of faith because when we did it we we were like "Ah, we kind of have enough room for us but i remember talking and saying yes though we have enough room for us we don't have enough room for the folks that jesus wants to use to be saved and come to christ and if that's going to happen we've got to make some more room for them and i remember a young church saying you know what let's do it. Let's just step out there. Let's step out of our comfort zone. Let's go to multiple service. There's enough room for us, but if we want more room for others, then we're going to have to take that step of faith. And it wasn't long before soon we're filling up two services in that chapel. After that, it even got to the point where we had to run a uh, a television wire. Jim, I remember you doing this, and you ran that television wire all the way through the attic, and you ran it under the cement, and we ran it into a little room, and, and there was literally times where even with double services, we weren't able to fit everybody in, and so uh, the people who came in late had to go to a, a, another little building, and they would sit in a little crap classroom and watch the service on a television screen, and we did that for a long time. It's just, just trying to do everything we could just to kind of keep this thing moving forward, and, and not allowing the the shoe to dictate how the foot could grow and we just believe that God wanted to keep doing things, that God wanted to keep blessing like he wanted to keep moving eventually he moved us into a bigger facility and I share some of these things to share this and that is simply this, our next thought this morning while it's true what God did in the past he can do again I want to say what God did in another place he can do here What God did at 3354, God can do here. We hear about miracles taking place in other countries, and I want to say what God did there, He can do here. You've heard stories of churches that have accomplished some great things in other cities, and I want to say what God can do in those cities, God can do in this city as well. You've heard stories of what God has done in families that live in other regions and other areas. And I want to say what God has done in those places, God can do in your place as well. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about understanding that by faith, a simple belief in Christ that what God did in another place, God can do here. And just like by faith, we were willing to step out and say, hey, I know there's enough room for us. But in order for to make room for more, it might mean going to multiple services. It might mean knocking out a wall. It might mean getting out of our comfort zone We know there's enough room for us But in order for there to be enough room for who god wants to bring We've got to be willing to step out of our comfort zone a little bit We look around right now We think oh there's pretty much enough room for us on an average sunday. This is good Uh, church growth experts will tell you that once an auditorium gets 70 percent full It's comfortable for those who already go to church there, but for newer folks. It feels very uncomfortable People don't want to sit like this or even in the same row as somebody that they don't know. It's it's just a little uncomfortable. And our young church recognized that and so we were willing to do whatever it took just to create a level of comfort for those that God would want to bring into this space and bring into that place because we believe what God did in another place he can do here. Matthew chapter number 19 says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible but with God all things are possible and he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Why? For with God nothing shall be impossible. Someone once said only those who see the invisible end up doing the impossible. There has to be a willingness by faith to see what is not yet if you're going to experience that which is not now. And there's too many Christians running around and they structure their entire lives so that they do not need faith. They structure their finances so they don't need to live by faith. They structure their lives so they don't need to live by faith. They, uh, they want to get into a church where they don't have to live by faith. And now we have an entire generation of Christians who have been able to organize their lives so that they no longer need to put their faith and trust in God. They have literally organized and structured faith completely out of the entire thing. And they don't need faith. We've got our American Express cards. We've got our 20-year plan. We we don't need faith. If we want to utilize it, we can utilize it, but we don't need faith. And I guess I'm saying, we're the Christians today that say, you know what, I'm I'm willing to put my life in a position where if God doesn't come through, I'm destined to fail. If God doesn't do the impossible, then we're going to fall flat on our face. That is the type of faith that God ambassador to where it is today. And what I would hate to see is now that we've got a nice little facility and now we've got some, you know, uh, whatever it is, with all the kind of bells and whistles, whether it be screens or whether it be instrumentalists or whether it be talent in these different areas, I would hate to see us become complacent, to become comfortable. Well, we've got a coffee shop for us now. And we've got a nice lobby for us to mingle in. And we've got a good kids program for our children, and so we just kind of relax. And I'm saying the type of believers that God ambassador to where it is today didn't have that spirit. They had a spirit to say, hey, let's keep stepping out by faith. Let's believe that God can do greater things. Let's put our lives on the line and let's see if if God could do bigger and greater than anything we could even ask or think. That is the spirit that made what we have now a possibility and ultimately a reality. Can you imagine if 20 people could gather together in faith and do what was done in the past? Could you imagine what a couple hundred people who gathered together in faith believing that God can continue to, could you even imagine the impact that that could make? on a community. We didn't move forward so we could make ourselves comfortable. We're moving forward because we believe that God has greater things for this community of faith. And if you're looking for a church just to be comfortable at, a church where you don't have to demonstrate faith, this is probably not your, your place. Because the very DNA of Ambassador is a place that says we are always willing to get out of our comfort zone to reach people with the cause of Jesus Christ. It's been awesome to see over this last year as we've had the opportunity of expanding our leadership pipeline and, and getting leaders now in all these different ministries, being able to see so much community service happening, whether it is at the Ronald McDonald House, whether it's there at the uh, Children's Hospital, whether we're talking about the Fresno Rescue Mission, whether it is we're talking about you know, the Pregnancy Center. Our church is making a huge impact like in the streets, outside of our walls, and this is possible because there are individuals who are saying, we're not going to get comfortable. We're not just here to sit, soak, and sour. We're here to move forward. We're here to see God's kingdom expand in the days ahead. And I want to remind you here today that God is doing a great work. God wants to use his church here in spite of our hurts. He wants to use us as his church here in spite of our hang-ups. He wants to use this church here in spite of our habits. He wants to use this church here in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our messiness. He wants to use us to impact this community for the cause of Jesus Christ. He wants to use us, not this church, we as a congregation, you as a part of this church, being the church to bring about spiritual awakening to a city and uh, invoke a revival of love, a revival of peace, a revival of hope, a revival of joy. A revival of the gospel to this community. If we can impact God, we'll begin to do what only He can do. If we'll use what we've got at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our city, it's amazing how God on a grassroots level through a domino effect will then allow entire cities to be impacted. And if He can impact a city, maybe a state could be impacted. And if you can impact a state, maybe a country, and eventually the world could be impacted for the cause of Jesus Christ, you never know the ripple effect of your faith. And we must come to a place where we recognize we can make an impact. If 12 disciples could accomplish what God saw 12 disciples accomplish if just like a handful of believers there who met in the upper room when they saw a resurrected Savior could literally turn the world upside down, I'm here to tell you there's nothing that this group cannot do for the glory of Jesus Christ. And yet we have gotten to a place where we get so distracted, we get so uncomfortable, we want to structure our lives for perfect comfort and ease and the American dream where we can no longer see and we are blinded to the reality of what God's Holy Spirit wants to do in and through a life that's entirely surrendered to Him. I'm telling you what, the enemy has distracted us. The enemy has gotten us to look at lesser and smaller things and the enemy has now convinced us that we can do nothing in the world in which we live. And I want to declare to you based on the authority of the Word of God, that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. God can use a group this size to literally turn the world upside down all over again. And don't let anybody tell you at any moment that God can't use someone just like you. In your brokenness, in your messiness, with your hurts, and with your failures, God can, God desires, and I believe God will use you. He'll use you in the lives of your children. He'll use you in the lives of your grandchildren. He'll use you in your neighborhood. He'll use you at your workplace. He'll use you in your community. He'll use you through your church if you'll simply say, God, I surrender. I'm allowing myself to be utilized by your Holy Spirit of God because we can do all things through Christ. Don't let anybody tell you you're too small. We're too small to accomplish something great. I have found that most of the times when great things happen, it usually starts with a small nucleus of people. We got here because there was a there were twenty folks who said, "I think God can do more." I I believe God wants to do greater things than we're currently seeing. The local church, my friend, is the hope of the world, and the local church is you, not me, not a staff. Not a church office. The local church is you. And we want to be a place where we empower you to make an impact in your world. Let us not believe the lie that the church is something other than you. The church is us. The church is we. We're the people. And God wants to use us to make an impact in our world. Oh, I want to remind you today what God did in the past, he can't do again. What God did in another place, he can do here. Which kind of leads me to our third thought. I told you about how early on with the Ponding Basin, it was ridiculous. The bureaucracy that the city put us through. The 2,000 gallon water tank that we needed in case the little ranch house had a fire, we could put out the fire. These were all obstacles that the enemy was trying to use to get a group of 20 people to say, Well, I guess it's not to be. (laughs) But that wasn't the spirit. They simply recognized, hey, we'll render unto Caesar that which is Caesar. If God brought us to it, God can bring us through it. He, Where God guides, God will provide. And that group wasn't limited, limited by the obvious realities of that which lied in front of them. They were willing to say, hey, we'll do our part and then watch God do his part. And God did a miracle. He did incredible, awesome things. As a group, just said, we'll step out by one step of faith. It took some years to see that fully come to fruition, but eventually God did what only God can do. I remember several years ago, and maybe some of you will remember this as well, we were at that place, we were doing multiple services, and it was just overwhelming. We had people in different little classrooms watching the service. I mean, this is our parking lot. I mean, this is just crazy. I mean, just the amount of cars, some of you will remember, on the other side of the parking lot just parking in fields it was getting absolutely ridiculous to pretend that we could do church at that property like we were fooling no one we literally would have people drive by the church they'd call us up and say we drive by the church and literally we couldn't find a parking place within like a quarter mile you how many of you remember literally just lining the streets at clinton both sides (laughs) of the street like literally and they would have to trudge through mud and of course a guest is always coming late and they just wouldn't come But we didn't have the money to step forward. And I remember one night where we, by faith, a group of people gathered together and we met over here behind Costco and we had a little banquet and we began to declare that, you know what, we need to move forward. We didn't know exactly what God had in store, but we knew that God was moving again and that God wanted to do greater things above and beyond anything we could ask or think. I remember that night as a group of people gathered together for some prayer some group of people gathered together just to seek God's face. You, remember, you recognize some of this. this is Hunter. He plays our guitar now. It looks like he's 12 years old. He was, he was on a mission. He was, he was serving up that food. It was good. Jamie, she plays the piano for us, the keyboard for us now. I'm just telling you what. We're just serving the Lord. I remember that night raising $125,000 in an evening. So, we could move into a space like we have today. You say, wow, who, who is the rich individual? I'll tell you one story. In the other property, we had reached out to different folks. How, how many of you remember those, those apartments behind us and things like that? And we had reached out and we had knocked on someone's door and invited them to church. And it was a 12 year old kid. And uh, he, we, somebody invited him to come to Sunday school or something. He loved it so much that he invited his mom to come and just a mom and son, two little kids, went to church, very under the radar. Most of our folks who were in the church at that time probably don't even know who I'm talking about. Just so under the radar. But God worked in their heart. They got baptized, they were saved, gave their lives to Christ. They were there for probably about a year and then God moved them. Something happened with their work and family situation. They had to move and I remember the day She came to me and she said, Pastor, I I know you're getting ready for this banquet. She said, God, he changed my life in this place. He said, our family will forever, ever be grateful. She said, I'm not gonna be here for that banquet. She said, I wanna be a part of what God's gonna continue to do in the years ahead. She pulled out of her pocket, she gave a little check, and I'm thinking, oh, that's nice, you know, how sweet, you know, the widow's might. Didn't even think about it. Came around the next day and we we're doing some things and I don't even think I looked at it. I think I threw it into just an offering plate or something like that. The next day I got a phone call and said, hey, I don't know if you know, but that lady just gave us a check for $25,000. And you we say, well, I think God's in this thing. And we stepped out by faith. In all, to move into this property cost us a little under a half million dollars. And we did it in cash. I think about $375, $400,000 by the time it was all said and done to retrofit this property, to get it to a place where we could begin to meet here. And you say, how does that even happen? It happens because there are people who believe that God is bigger than anything they could ever imagine. There are so many people right here who have sacrificially given. I can tell you stories about people, a lady who literally gave her diamond wedding ring because she had nothing else to give so we could get into this property. We had people who sold vehicles so you could have a chair in this room. I remember one occasion, somebody literally sold their house, downsized, moved into a smaller home because they wanted you to have this opportunity. They knew that it wasn't gonna happen in the other facility. It's just, we were done there. It was done. And so by faith, people sacrificed. And people gave, and people did a part. And over the years, those individuals would commit, many of them pledges. I, I remember at that banquet that night, we raised that money. I remember the Lord laying on my heart and saying, hey, Josh, I want you to give ten thousand dollars and commit that to the Lord. I'm, I'm like, what in the world? I mean, he might as well just ask for a million dollars. Ten thousand dollars for me, as a young pastor, it was just—I was like—it was not even a, a feasibility. was It was. But I remember with my shaking hand. That night, not having a clue. I mean, if I if I had a tenth of that in my bank account, I'd have been doing well. By faith, $10,000. And I want to say, by his grace and for his glory, God did it. And over the course of those 12 months, we saw answer prayer after answer prayer after answer prayer, God doing what only he could do in a situation like that. And yet it wasn't just me. There were countless number of families who said we're going to get out of our comfort zone. We're going to step beyond anything we could ask or think. It's not going to make sense, but if God's leading us to do it, that's what we're going to do. And by faith, we're going to believe God to do what only God can do. And that is the spirit that has made what we have right now possible. For those of you who've come in the last 12 months, that's what you are entering into. You're entering into a place that simply believes that God is bigger than any one of us. I'm not talking about guilt tripping, and I'm not talking about making somebody feel bad. I'm just talking about being a place where you listen to the still, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit and say, God, whatever it is that you have, we're willing to do. And that leads us here to our final thought, and that is simply this. As we saw what God did in the past, he can do again. What God did in another place, he can do here. But I want to say what God did for other people, God can do for you too. That's what I'm trying to say. The faith that he blessed in other people, he can bless that faith in you as well. The miracles that he showed other people, he can show to you as well. The victories that other people have experienced, you can experience as well. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at a pastor and say, well, I'll bless him. I'll help him step out by faith, but I'm not going to help this person. You're every much as big in the eyes of Jesus as any other person here. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you as well. You serve a big God. And we never want to get to a moment where we start to shrink God into a box that makes sense to us. Romans chapter number 9 verse 17 says, even for the same purpose I have raised thee up. That I might show my power in thee. And that my name might be declared through all all the earth. You see that? He says, I'm going to show my power through you so that my name can be made really big among the nations. We need people with miraculous, victorious stories of gospel faith. You say, it's impossible. I know. I'm going to tell you what every story I have told you up to this point was impossible. Aren't you glad we serve a God of the impossible? That our God is not limited by the physical, tangible realities of the world in which we live. We serve a God that transcends the natural and elevates to the supernatural. God does what we can't. He accomplishes what we can't accomplish. And that is the type of God that we serve It was William Booth. He founded something, an organization you might be familiar with called the Salvation Army. And he said this God loves to see a man whose heart is bursting with a passion for the impossible. I know there are many other people in this room, and that is your heart as well. Your heart longs to see God do the impossible, you yearn to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You want to see God do great and mighty things that you don't even know not. Nobody comes to church and is apart because they just want to kind of fit into the status quo. They just want to get comfortable and go through the motions of some religious duty. I believe we're here because deep down in every side of every one of us, there's a spark that wants to see God literally change our world, and whether that's talking about our family world, whether that's talking about our neighborhood world, whether that's talking about this community called Fresno, I believe we are a part of something, and there is something deep in our DNA that God has allowed to fan, and God has allowed to flourish, and God has cultivated over the years, and it's not time to let that die. It's time to keep moving on by faith. To step out and say, God, what is it that you would have for us as a church family in the days ahead? God wants to use your life in a big way. God wants to use your life to make a difference. He wants to use your life to make an impact. He wants you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And we can. All of us can. I want to encourage you to be a part of what's going to take place tonight. Um, On your way out, you can get a Vision Night ticket even if all you can do is come and pray, put one dollar in the offering, I want to encourage you to be a part. Because I think every one of us can do something. That's what this is about. This is not about, oh man, I'm going to get my arm twisted to see how I can get involved in those types of things. I just want you to know... We want you to be a part And if you can't afford the $5 ticket Come and see me Come and see Pastor Nick We want you to just come And be a part of this thing And whether you can give 10 cents Or you can give $10,000 Is irrelevant to me What's relevant is that all of us would come together in a spirit of unity and say, together, in unity, we are going to pray, we are going to band together, and we are going to believe God for greater things in the years ahead. And that's what this thing is about. Saying, God, it's not about equal giving. All of us are at different stages in our financial and lives. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. That all of us would just look to Jesus and say, Jesus what is faith for me? What would be a sacrifice for me at this life stage, in this situation? And then just listen to him. Ask him. The amount to me is irrelevant. What's relevant is that he's stretching and growing your faith. That's what's important to me. That it's not just a token tip for Jesus, but it's you listening to the Spirit of God and saying, God, I'm willing to follow wherever it is you lead. I want to encourage you just to be a part, to band together in a spirit of unity. Because I'll say this, our history has really just been his story. His story, chapter by chapter by chapter, has made our history. And we believe that God is going to do great things. I'll say this. Death comes to churches when the memories of the past supersede the vision for the future here's where i'm afraid for ambassador because we have seen god do such amazing miraculous and incredible things in our past that we might start to think that it's done we're comfortable with what god has and i want to say from your pastor's heart I don't think we're done. In fact, I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface as to what God's going to do in this city. I've said it for years now, but it's our vision to glorify Christ and see God's word change lives in such incredible ways. That a hundred years from now, no honest history could be written of the Central Valley without mentioning the impact of his church upon the city of Fresno. I believe believers all across the Central Valley can make an impact that will radically change it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Our churches can make a difference. Gospel preaching, Bible believing Christians can make an impact in the world in which we live. And I believe you and I are a part of that epic story. Let's simply believe that greater things are still to come. When it comes to impacting our world, if not now, 2016, when? If not here at Ambassador Ware, and if not us, then who? God wants to use us to make an impact.